BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, this is Deborah Messing. And I'm Andana Dayani. We decided to create a podcast to introduce you to the people who inspire us most. These are the dissenters. The people who just made a decision one day to break down the establishment and build a new one. In the greatest times of grief or even the most ordinary of circumstances, many heroes will rise. You just have to take that first step. So please tune in this May for our premiere episode and catch a new episode every Wednesday. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. There are heroes everywhere. Discover them. Become one. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Oh, y'all, we are in for such a treat today. We actually recorded this episode a couple months back. I've been actually working in recording and banking and preparing for this next season of life. And what's really fun about it is having these conversations that genuinely impacted me during this time and now getting the opportunity to go back and listen to them once again. Komal is one of those people who I'm so grateful to have been connected to her through this time and through this season because she is such a powerful woman, but she's also gone through a lot. Her story and her success story is also just rippled with different impacts like cancer and chronic illness. And we kind of dive in and talk about it all. She's somebody I deeply, deeply look up to as somebody who has been featured on Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100 list. She has also interviewed Michelle Obama and some of the most prominent politicians, best-selling authors, businesswomen, so much more. She's such an incredible guest. It's such an honor to have her on this week. I'm so excited to be able to listen back on our conversation and dive right back into the importance of rest and resilience and how that is actually truly a part of our success stories as well. I hope you really enjoy this show. I know I will. And I'm just really grateful that you're here today. Let's get into it. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I'm really excited about today's guest because 
Her name came across my Instagrams about a month ago. And I'm not kidding you, within a week, it was like every other day, every other day, every other day, her name popped up over and over and over again. And I'm really stoked to have her on today to share her story. And please welcome Komal. Oh my gosh, I totally said it wrong. Komal. Guys, I practiced like 20 times before this started. Komal. (laughs) I knew it. I psyched myself out. And the thing is, this happens every week. This happens. Everyone knows now if they've been listening long enough, I have the biggest struggle with pronouncing names, but like I'm getting, I feel like I keep getting better, but I'm really, it's a struggle city. Como? It's all good. And what I will say about names is I was on a podcast once and, and it was with another woman who has a name that is challenging in the North American context. And she's like, she asked the question of like, what does your name mean? So I feel like with that moment, let me share a little bit about what Komal means. Thank you. Yes, share away. My full name is Komaljeet Kaur Minhas. And in Sikhism, which is my faith, which you've seen probably a lot of politicians in Canada who are also Sikh, and just Rupi Kaur is another um, poet and author who's also Sikh. So Kaur is a middle name given to all Sikh women, and it means lioness or warrior princess. When you think of Jagmeet Singh, who we were talking about, Singh means lion or warrior So our faith is rooted in us being these warriors and just being rooted in fighting for justice and truth. And so my name actually means, Gomal means gentle, Jeet means victory, and then Kor means warrior princess. So gentle victory warrior princess is who I am. (laughs) And do you think that describes you? Like, does that feel connection? It does. You know, there's a softness. Like I host a podcast called Lessons Learned. And when people listen to the show, they often share with me how soothing and gentle my voice is for them. So that Gomal being soft and gentle feels so right. And then being victory, like there is a fire in me that is rooted in everything I do that is part of me as a justice seeker, as a truth speaker. It does feel very right. I love that for you. My name means princess. And I feel like I constantly have to tell people like, I'm not a princess, but also like a little bit, like a little bit, like I have to own the pieces of me. Princesses can be powerful, but I feel like princesses, unless it's been in the last like three years of Disney movies of princesses, we've seen them portrayed as always needing to be rescued. So I don't think it was until the redo of Rapunzel that I was like, yes, like the princess is being taken back. And then with Frozen 2, I don't know if you've seen it, the first time we've ever seen a male come alongside a woman and say, how can I help? Not what can I like, let me save you from the situation, but how can I help you as you are clearly saving yourself? And such a cool thing. So anyways, sidelines, love that. Everyone should know the meaning of their name. I'm pregnant right now. So naming a child and like figuring out the meanings of names is like so wild. Like, I don't think I'd had this much intention with my kids before. And even now after this like quick little convo, I'm like, I need to really think about that. This person's like part of their identity. Being your little gentle warrior self, you have quite a story and I'm not even going to start. I've, I've read it a few times. I've heard you speak on a couple IG lives and stuff, but I don't know that I've ever heard you tell your story. So I would love for you to kind of tell us about who you are, what you do and how you got there. So kind of take it away. Yeah. So I was born and raised in a small city, Grand Prairie, Alberta, out West, was one of a handful of racialized families in Grand Prairie. And so I kind of grew up being able to code switch between brown culture and white culture. And that really has proven to be massive skill in my life. Also growing up in Grand Prairie did for me was I, my family's very political as I mean, sharing about Sikhism and our culture, like 
politics is very much ingrained in who we are. So growing up, when the Liberal Party or anyone from the Liberal Party would come through Grand Prairie, we were a very conservative space riding. My parents would host politicians and different people. So I grew up seeing Jean Chrétien in like my living room along with Paul Martin. And like this young brown kid in the middle of this really strange juxtaposition of life. And then my parents would say to me, 12 years old or younger, so-and-so is here. Do you mind introducing them in front of this big group of people? Mm -hmm. So from an early age, I was speaking on behalf of and for my family and my community. So speaking and sharing and being on stage was always something that was a big part of my life um, from a young age. And speaking on behalf of my parents who were immigrants to this country who have you know, had people point out their accents and their, mm-hmm. their backgrounds. Um, so I really got to be this bridge between two cultures for my family, a bridge for others to understand my own identity and culture as well. So fast forward, and when I moved to Ottawa for university, this is where I live now in CARP, which is like 20 minutes outside of Ottawa. I used to live in Canada. There you go. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Lived there for four years. That's where my son Bo was born. Goodness, we're like neighbors, or we would have been neighbors. I'll talk to you later about my obsession with the strawberry bagels in the Byword Market, because that's like all I think about. We might need to find a way to ship you some of those. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Anyways, you're in Ottawa now. Yeah, we're in Ottawa. And from here, I'm going to figure out what part of my story I want to share here. But I did my undergrad here, really loved journalism, storytelling, politics. That's why I moved to Ottawa. Spoiler alert. I ended up getting this email to my inbox from Marie Forleo, and she was promoting a documentary film called Dream Girl. And it was a film about ambitious female entrepreneurs. And there was a Kickstarter campaign that was being raised to fund the film. And this was back in 2014. So it was sort of pre, it was right when Girl Boss was taking off and like all these female entrepreneur groups movement was just starting. Yes, yes. And so the premise of the film was, we know the names of Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg, but who are the female founders? What do their lives look like? And early in my undergrad career, I realized I wasn't going to be a traditional journalist. I was going to build a business around storytelling. And so when that email landed in my inbox, I reached out to the director of the film, Aaron Bagwell, and thus began a three-year journey of us co-creating as co-founders and myself producing the film, Aaron directing the film, Dream Girl, uh, which went on to put us on Oprah's Super Soul 100 list, which ended up being seen by tens of thousands of people around Mm -hmm, the world. mm -hmm. Um, And we premiered it at the Obama White House. And that really was a really important part in my journey as a storyteller, as someone who likes to build and share about movements, be sort of at the front end of the things that we're trying to bring to light in society. But simultaneously at that time, I was also diagnosed with a really rare form of skin cancer. And so I was having this like highest of highs in my life, plus the lowest of lows. And it was this massive roller coaster. Like, where is the level on that? Because I can only imagine, like, and I and I find in in general, there's constantly this balance between ambition and keeping your stress to a point where you survive it. You survive that ambition. So being on that roller coaster, how do you create healing while also like living out that dream and what you're doing, which was obviously incredibly important as well. Like this is a transformative time and big conversations around things that really back in 2014 were very, very new. 
I am so excited today to welcome Versed as our sponsor to this podcast. Now, we wouldn't be able to do this show without sponsors like them, but not only that, I'm really excited because I'm just so impressed with them as a brand. Versed is a skincare line that is non-toxic, cruelty-free, and vegan. It is hyper-focused on bringing you real results at prices your bank account appreciates. It's backed by experts and driven by community. Their mission is simple, make good skin and clean products for all. Versed is all about results. Their products are made with proven ingredients at skin-changing levels without the fussy packaging and conventional markups. So you only pay for what matters, the goop inside the bottle. And they take waste seriously. They skip excess packaging like inserts and boxes for bigger items and use recyclable and biodegradable packaging wherever possible. As of right now, they are 92% recyclable and working towards being 100%. If you head to their website, they actually have a recycling guide on on there as well. It's in the cheat sheet on how to properly recycle your skincare empties. Verse formulates to the highest standards in the world, European Union standards, banning 1,300 toxins and questionable ingredients to ensure their products are safe, non-toxic, and effective. They keep the good, cut the bad, and focus on what works. Verse's most popular products include their Day Dissolve Cleansing Balm, the Shortcut Overnight Peel, Dew Point Moisturizing Gel Cream, Press Restart Gentle Retinol Serum, and Wash It Out Gel Cleaner. If you are in Canada, Verse is now available at select Shoppers Drug Mart stores and online at shoppersdrugmart.ca. If you're in the U.S., you're actually going to get an additional 10% off if you're a first-time user when you shop at Verseskin.com and use promo code PAPAYA. Verse already offers skincare products at prices your bank account appreciates, but now they're giving it to you at an additional 10% off if you're in the U.S. All you've got to do is head to Verseskin.com, that's V-E-R-S-E-D-S-K-I-N.com with promo code PAPAYA, and you're going to get that extra savings. Now let's get back to the show. And I remember distinctly, like when I got to meet Oprah and had that Oprah moment, Queen I saw that picture. I loved it. Was it amazing? Just tell us. Okay, okay, okay. So it was an amazing day. So I was part of Oprah's Super Soul 100 and it's 100 change makers. Like when I went to the restroom, Ava DuVernay was in the bathroom with me. And I don't know who that is. Now I feel dumb. No, don't worry. Ava DuVernay, she's an incredible black director. She directed Selma. She directed A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, I love Wrinkle in Time. Okay, yes, yes, yes. I do hear what you're talking about. Yes. And so she's this incredible, incredible woman. And we're in the bathroom and Ava's like, oh my God, I love your dress. And I was like, do you want it off my body? Like, yeah. <laughs> I can just stay here if you, like, I was just blown away. Um, yeah. And so when I finally got to meet her, I actually was diagnosed with cancer the week prior to us being mm. for mm-hmm. that super soul interview and photo shoot. And so the part of the super soul sessions is like her super soul conversations with Oprah. So that week, Cheryl Strayed's conversation was going live. So at the luncheon, we watched that episode. Ava DuVernay and Oprah are sitting a table away from me so they can like the TV they're watching is right above my head. Oh my and goodness. I'm just bawling because what they're talking about in the episode is so like, and I'm in this room with all these people and I'm just like, keep it together, oh. keep it together. But after the episode was done, I got the opportunity to go up to her and I shared with her about our film about, um, and this was the second time I got to meet her. I met her in Ottawa a few years prior okay. where I said to her like, Hi, my name's Gomal. 
we're going to meet many times in our life. And I just wanted to say hello. And one day we're going to work together. Shit, you're going to make me cry. What? And then when we're at in LA at the Super Soul Sessions, I go up to her and I share that story. And she grabs my hands, Sarah, and she says, did you ever imagine you'd make it happen this fast? Oh my goodness. She remembered you. <laughs> <sighs> See, this is my big thing with like big names though, because- I'm sure you've gotten to this point now where you've met certain people, you follow them online, or there are these certain personalities, you've watched them, you love them and been a fan and you meet them and they're not what you thought. And so I love the stories when it's the people who are who they are. And that is like the fact that she remembered you and remembered your face, like that speaks volumes to me. That is so, so incredible. So incredible. And her wherewithal in that moment to know that when I shared, like, you know, I had said to you that we'll meet many times and we'll work together one day. She's like, did you ever think you would make it happen this fast? And it is like a testament to hard work, to commitment, to as folks say, you know, manifesting. But for me, that's really just focusing on a goal and target and working towards it all the time. In that moment, I said to her, like, after we were chatting a little bit, I said, you know, I've, I've recently been diagnosed, but I know that the mission we're building is going to heal me. And I'll remember that moment because I was so wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That was not what I was expecting. I know, right? Like, oh, this mission of supporting women entrepreneurs around the world, it's what's going to heal me. And it's like, no, Como, what's going to heal you is focusing on yourself and dealing Mm. with your unresolved trauma and having therapy and going to the doctor and building a sustainable lifestyle. I didn't do that when we were building Mm -hmm. True And so after I was deemed cancer-free, after some very traumatic episodes with surgeries and things like this, I got hit with a neurological illness. And that is what actually made me jump off the roller coaster. That was that journey with Dream Girl. I heard you say that you have chronic illness and I, I, I never knew what it was. I grew up with a mom with chronic illness. She was diagnosed with endometriosis right after I was born, or I I think actually before I was born and then quite severely after I was born, had a hysterectomy by 34, had fibromyalgia in her mid thirties. I'm 35. So I watched my mom go through things that like just, I would never want to see somebody go through. And yet it was so invisible. I, I felt like she was constantly having to explain pain, having to, having to say it because we couldn't see it. And that was like, whenever I hear somebody speak on chronic illness, it is, it is something that just hits at the heartstrings because it's such an, oftentimes such an invisible battle. So what was your diagnosis? So at the time it was something called optic neuritis, which means I had lost like 90% of vision in my left eye because my nerve became inflamed. In 60% of cases, it's related to multiple sclerosis. And in 40% of cases, it's an anomaly. And so I was in New York. I was living in Brooklyn. We were building this startup. My co-founder and I actually, it took me some years to realize that I was in a manipulative relationship with her and that that stress compounded on top of my diagnosis, compounded on top of the youth stress from all the things that were happening with Dream Girl led to this moment in January, 2017, when I woke up and I couldn't see out of my left eye. Oh my gosh. What I realized quick was you need to get your shit together, Komal, because your parents didn't immigrate to Canada, didn't work this hard. You haven't spent so much of your life doing what you're doing for this to be how you, what you're doing to your body. Mm. And so within a week, we moved back home to Canada. We moved here to CARP because universal healthcare is one hell of a privilege. 
let's talk about meaning <sighs> self-care and all these things like yeah. systems support us in doing that. And that's yes. where I was able to recover yes. of the stress of medical bills. Um, but then began two years of me unpacking my perfectionism and my type A and my, you know, need for so like I do big things in the world, but mm. they take so much out of me. Mm. So I had to learn like, what do I as Gomal need to operate? What is my daily practice? What are the things that I need in place to be well? Because I've gotten most of my vision back in my left eye. And I fortunately was not diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which I know so many people are facing life with MS every day. It's incredible, the strength and the way that they show up every single day. Um, but I also received an endometriosis diagnosis. I oh. had to go through surgery for that after. It's just this, like Sarah, I'm telling you, it was the, I was in my mid twenties. Yeah. I had to grow up fast and I had to learn so much about myself. And I lost two years of career building. And, you know, when we were talking prior to this, you're like, you know, you've done all these things. And I, I didn't hear about you until a month ago. And it literally was because I went from having this massive life having to be a recluse in the middle of the country, coming out of a manipulative relationship with my co-founder. So I was already destroyed emotionally and physically having to rebuild myself. So for the last three years, that's what I've been doing. And now the reason that I'm back out in the world or that I'm coming back out is because I know the terms with which I'm ready to engage with the world. I know how, what I need. I know how to support others and also building a life that is equal parts, how can you stay well and how can you make the massive impact you want to make in the world, which is now what I'm starting to deliver with my program called The Next Right Step and my podcast called Lessons Learned. I saw that you have this incredible masterclass and it's a five-week course. You already It's already waitlisted, which is incredible. So clearly this is needed, but can you kind of walk us through a little bit about what it's about and like... I think we understand your why for it, but kind of where where this really was rooted from and you know where you think it's going. What I realized over the past three years and what we're facing with the global pandemic and after George Floyd's murder and everything that's come up in terms of the reality of anti-Black and Indigenous racism, resilience, and like we hear everyone talking about resilience, but what I truly like know in my core is that there are fundamental things that we all need within our lives in order to show up well for the adversity, the pain, and the hardships at hand. And so what I've kind of named those things into is my Roots of Resilience framework, which is community. So how are you embedding and uplifting yourself through your community? Who are you leaning on? What do you have in place for yourself? Who are the people in proximity to you who are helping you take care of yourself and who you are taking care of? Wellness, so psychological and physical wellness. As you've heard, I've been through it and I've realized yeah, a little bit. we can't not, we can't avoid these things. Mm-hmm. Like the premise of this course is I have learned so many lessons that now you get to learn without hopefully having to go through this kind of shit, especially for racialized women. Like I wish, like this is the program I wish I had in 2017 when I needed to recover, when I didn't know what gaslighting was, when I didn't know what it was like to be manipulated by somebody when I didn't know how to come back from hard physical trauma. So the third pillar is impact and identity because part of what I've also started to do is I've been doing a lot of deep dive research into resilience and what makes communities and people resilient. For racialized communities, a big one is pride in your culture and your identity. Mm. And that is what majority of the time in dominant cultures like in North America, 
people attempt to take away from us mm-hmm. is your language, your culture, your identity. We saw this yes. in the residential school system for indigenous communities. We see this happening for the black community where their voices are literally the dominant forces are trying to t- literally take away voices. And so embedding within ourselves as a collective, our pride for our identity, our pride for wanting to give back to our communities, self-efficacy. So your belief that you can actually make it through hard things, because so often when something hard comes up, we can second guess ourselves, or we might not have the supports in place to actually believe we can make it through the thing that we are going to be diving into in the next right step, plus interviews with my friends and experts across industries. So it's going to be one one beautiful ride. I love that though, because I think what's so important about this is we have so many courses and classes on like dominating and, and being that person and being that girl boss and all of those types of things that are kind of just like, just wake up and believe in yourself. And to be like, well, that would be nice to just like wake up and believe in myself and have all the money, just have all the money and all the access to all the things that I've ever wanted. Like when I first started, well, people have heard me tell the story before. When I first started blogging, for instance, everyone kind of had this attitude where it was just like, if you just believe it and you just apply yourself, you can do it. And I was like, but y'all have got like thousands of dollars into, you know, your startup in doing this. And it's not that simple. Everyone had the startup money to do things. And here I was like Googling how to do stuff. Now I'm still like a white privileged woman. I still exist with so much more privilege than those who exist in, you know, marginalized bodies and, you know, racialized differences. And I've had to really acknowledge that as well, but also just seeing that there is so much, so much out there about just getting out there and going after it, just get out there and go after it. And I think that for like two years, I did that. I I was finally at the place where I was like, if I just work two jobs, two jobs, and then do this thing on the side, I'm just going to do that. I'm also going to be a single mom. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like I can do it all. I'm going to be so strong. There's no option to fail. So this is what I'll do. And the thing is eventually like I came out of that season of life and I sat, I, I kept going to different people. I went to a holistic nutritionist. I went to a naturopath. I went to my doctor because I kept wanting a different answer. And all of them were sitting me down and saying the same thing. I think it's stress. I think it's stress. And like, what are you doing to take care of yourself? And it felt like every single time that they were having those conversations with me, it felt like they were taking something away. Like they were taking my dream. Cause I'm like, no, 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 no. If I'm just ambitious enough, I will be okay. Like I just have to push through that feeling, push through that feeling. Enter 2020, still hadn't learned my lesson, still going, running like full steam ahead all the time, doing all the things, but now I'm working for myself. So it felt like it's okay. I'm making the decisions. No, but nobody's doing this for me. And at the beginning of March, right before we really got locked down, I got, um, shingles straight up. I remember seeing that stress induced shingles on my vagina. And so here's what, here's where I was going with this. That was so funny to me because I was like, ha ha, like one of the, like, of course I would get stress and do shingles on my vagina. Like that would be the, I would be the person that would have it do. Ha ha. So funny. Then I got pregnant and I remember my stress feeling really high. I mean, we were just in the COVID's going on. We've got so much going on on social media. There's this huge shift. You can just be, I would wake up and just feel anxious. And suddenly I was looking at, I was so scared about miscarriage, to be honest. And I was just reading a lot about it. And within that, it just went on and on and on about how stress being such a huge factor. And suddenly I was like, I need to take care of myself. 
And now I'm a little bit pissed off because I realized that it took me having to care about somebody else stress to take care of myself. Even though I just literally, my body just gave me shingles on my vagina of all places to be like, would you sit down for five minutes? Like I will make you sit down because it's going to hurt to stand. Like, can you just do this? And yet I couldn't until it was like suddenly something else. There was something else. So what I'm saying to you to wrap this up a little, I love that you are caring as a whole person. This is not, because I think a lot of times it's either about de-stressing your life or going after life ambitiously. We're not often taught to do both. We're not, as women especially, taught that we can be both, that we can be both ambitious and also healed and healing. Yes. And it's like, this is the thing. This is what, like, we can't sustain. And it's going to make me emotional because I think of activists on the front lines. And I think of people who are putting their life on the line every day, the politicians we look up to, the AOCs of the world. Yes. You know, like, if we had a collective community around us who understood these values of resilience and who could help us show up to do the hard work that we have to do to dismantle systems as women, as women of color, if we had that community, Mm. different and long-term could our impact be? Mm -hmm. I say this to my husband often. I'm like, I lost two and a half years of my career after the high. Like what I could have continued to build off that momentum from a career perspective could have been insane. I mean, let's be real. You also interviewed Michelle Obama. I'm not going to let you just walk away without that. (laughs) Thank you. You got to a point where you, you interviewed Michelle Obama. Like, are you kidding me? Like that is a huge honor, an amazing opportunity. And that would also be really hard, even on an identity level to walk away from that level of career, something that most people in journalism, social media, whatever, are never going to reach. You did you did Oprah and you did Michelle Obama, and then you had to walk away to take care of yourself. I will say, clarify, is the beauty about the Michelle Obama interview was because it was on the other side of this battle. Oh, was it? I thought it was before. I know, because oh. thank you for bringing it up. Michelle Obama taught me on stage so it validated so much of what I know to be true about these principles around the roots of mm-hmm. resilience and why we need like the strongest community around us of people who get why we have to take care of ourselves yes. in order to do high impact work. Yes. Because when we were on stage, two questions that I was so excited to ask her about were, and I was excited because resilience and like our stories of rising are what give me fuel. Mm. And one of the questions I was able to ask her was around how she reconciled at such a prominent point in her life and career, the loss of her father who did pass away from MS. And when she was going through the early days of her law career, she lost one of her best friends to cancer. Oh, wow. So hearing from Michelle Obama and asking her how she moved through that grief in front of an audience of 8,000 predominantly women Mm. Having her say that letting herself experience the grief, having a mother who held space for them to go through the highs and lows of it, finding meaning through their deaths and saying to herself, they're gone and I'm here. Mm. How may I live a life that they would be proud of? Her talking about wellness, like she spent a good seven or eight minutes talking about the importance of wellness for women and specifically Mm -hmm. black women Mm -hmm. as heads of households. Mm So to have Michelle Obama inadvertently validate these roots of resilience that I know we require as high impact people to perform and sustain over the long term publicly, yes. 
was amazing. And the only reason I could ask those questions with the depth and like capacity, like she was crying when she was answering, I was crying, it was a whole thing, was because of the depth of empathy I've been able to tune into because of what I've gone through. Yes. And so if there was anything I could give the world now, like this program and this work is it. But the reason that was so beautiful is because I set boundaries with myself. Like that morning I meditated, I did all the things I needed to before that event. And that was like a distinct change for me from the dream girl days. Mm -hmm. I would self-sacrifice to the point of no avail, not enough sleep, not enough rest, not eating nourishing foods, not doing any of the things I knew I needed. Um, so my career high, you're right, came after I got these myself in check and that opportunity came to be. And I love that. And and I think that there's so much that lies within that. And I'm, and I'm really just in awe of like what you're doing with these experiences, because even though like, it sounds like it all kind of happened like really, really fast, we're talking like this is over spans of years and recovery and some, like, we're talking from Oprah to cancer to like taking time off to Michelle Obama, like that is just compiling it all together. And now taking so much of even in your young life experience, now being able to pass this forward is your goal. And is your business structure, is it mostly targeted towards women of color or do you also open it? Like, I, I wonder now, because you were saying like, this is especially a problem, but I do wonder like, are, is this something that that's your main goal in terms of like, cause it, it is a different, there is a difference, right? There's a difference in the level of needs of community and conversation and efforts in terms of care, because they're, you know, women of color, we've, we've seen it. We've just gone through how much there is difference. There's so much difference, but I know knowing that my audience is predominantly white, I want to make sure that we have some like clarifying factors as well. And thank you for asking, because I meant to bring that up earlier. Cause I was like, I don't want to preclude people from this mm-hmm. framework. as a woman of color. And I think you can speak to this as your experience as a white woman, like you build what you know, Mm-hmm. And so I built this from the lens that I have, but if this period of time shows us anything, it's that our ability to empathize and expand our exposure and like training and things or just like community is so key. Yeah. So this is not exclusive to women of color, um, especially because like I can't speak to black women's experiences, but that's why yeah. I bring in my friends who are black women who are prominent in their fields mm-hmm. to speak to their lived experience and whom I can mm-hmm. interview about each pillar and how it applies to their life. Um, So this isn't exclusive to women of color. You will get a very rich and full exposure when you do this. And I truly like the community that's going to come out of this is going to be so diverse, so inclusive. Mm -hmm. I think what's really profound for me at this period of time is looking at all the things that have come to light since George Floyd's death, really looking around the landscape and saying, who's been doing this work? Yes. And I think, Sarah, that's why you speaking up so early, so quickly, and so fully is because you've been reckoning with yourself around how to show up in allyship. I had it. I had an Avery Francis in my corner. I'm not going to lie. But also shout out to Avery because Avery, you know, it got me on your radar. And so this is what it takes also for, you know, racialized women is we bring each other up. And yeah. Seeing Avery's growth over the last month has just been like, I've been cheering from the sidelines, so pumped. Her voice is so powerful. For the longest time, I felt like I had this person who 
was willing to speak hard things into me because she cared about my greater good. Like not just about my audience and like the damage I could be doing, but cared about me as a person. And I was like, I, I, it's so easy to get defensive. And instead I was like, holy crap. Well, actually I did get defensive at first. And then I like sat for a little bit and we had a whole conversation about it. And, and truly she's built into me. And so when it came to a lot of these racial discussions, I'm not going to lie. I still woke up in sweats every day because we had to learn so quickly that people of color are not a monolith. They're going to have a ver- like a variety of opinions and experiences. And we had to be willing to sit and listen to individual ones. But that's where I love community aspect because in communities, you should already have that. You should already have differences of opinions. You should have differences of experience. You should have racial differences as well. That should be part of what you're seeking and what you're kind of cultivating. And I think it gets really easy for, and like you said, we do what we know. We, we kind of draw into the things that we've experienced on, but what happens in social media realm and what happens when we start building these online communities, which is now pretty much our only community when it comes to, you know, life in quarantine, the fact that we really went after people who had similar experiences to us or that looked like us. Like I really had to come face to face with the fact that my entire realm of influence was then identifying white women. And that wasn't really growing me as a person. It was just validating who I was. And that didn't really give a lot of room for much more. Just made me want to swipe up on their outfits. But, and like, that's all fine and good for like that aspect of life. But I needed more. And I think a lot of us do. And I love that what you're doing is kind of cultivating the not just idea, but this need for resilience and community and healing and all of these things kind of collectively together. And so within your masterclass, how many people are going to be taking it at once? My goal for this, so we're going to be delivering it twice a year. So this okay. is version one and, and I'm going big. I want 150 people to be part of this program. Amazing. So the wait list is open. So we're going to be actually going live with sales. Oh, uh, fun. Um, and the first class will go on July 29th and it's a live training with me. And again, I am not, I haven't announced yet who the guests are going to be, but there's some of the people that you look up to and love and adore a la, you know, different versions of Sarah's in the world, et cetera. Love it. Um, but it'll be July 29th through to the end of August. And the outcomes that you're, you will get are not just this community, but also a blueprint for how you can move forward with in each of these areas of your life in a holistic way. And part of the program as well is that you can repeat the program with me once you've purchased it once. Oh, fantastic. Because this is something that we want people to be able to do repeatedly through their life. Yeah. And to know that they can lean on this community. For the live training aspect, there will be like a a price on that for, for, but a massive discount for first timers. Also, it's the first time I've ever done this. Like all these things I've done in my career, again, I've learned so much and I'm so excited to finally be able to like give it to others in a mass way. And just to help us come through this really tough time, making ourselves feel well. Like you shared, Sarah, about your story with it taking, you know, this pregnancy for you to really tune into your own body's needs and requirements. If we can support other women in doing that, I truly think there is no greater impact or legacy metric that we could have. And learning to do it without shame, learning to advocate for ourselves without feeling weak. 
We've been defined as the weaker sex. We're not. We are very, very resilient and very strong and capable of hiding deep, deep, deep pain, but it doesn't mean we should be. And I think that this is a new age and a new time. And one of the biggest things that I I personally want to see as women in a, is us own our own advocacy for things, us own our wellness and ask for the things that we need and, and go after it, right? And make sure that we're in it for the long haul, that we're investing in things like taking, I, I have like courses lined up for myself until the end of the year, because I'm like, it is so easy to be like, yes, this is important right now. I'm going to do it right now. But what is even better is when you tap into something that makes you intentional about it six months from now. So you don't get to forget. You don't get to just put it away. You don't get to just go back. We don't get to just open up the borders again and go back to life and travel and having these worlds or or going back to our regular scheduled programs and realizing that once again, we've just forgotten how important all of this is. So I just think you're fantastic. I think everything you're doing is so cool and amazing. Your resume, when I was reading your media kit, I was like, my gosh, like director, producer, like Oprah, what? Like, it's just, you're just doing great things. And you've got a podcast. So quickly, as we end this up now, tell us about the podcast because I want people to be able to tune into that as well. And then tell everyone where they can find you and kind of tap into all that you are. And thank you, Sarah, for having me on, for being so intentional and thoughtful with what you are sharing in the world, because I see that. And so many of us do. And that's oh, why thank I you. love it so much. <laughs> uh, I actually really, it's like my biggest fear that people think I'm fake. So it's like <laughs> when people are like, I just love your authenticity. I'm like, thank you. That's the thing I care about the most. <laughs> and so thank you. resonates the most. So thank you. Good. I'm so glad. So the show Lessons Learned is my love letter to the world. It is my weekly show where I share about lessons I've learned. I'm, I'm bringing other guests on um, as we're going to be diving into the masterclass. A lot of the interviews yes. in the class will end up on the show. And it's my place to interview. Like after my interview with Michelle Obama, I realized like that's my, that's my superpower. Interviewing yeah. is my favorite thing to do. Unlocking people and getting them to share their deepest, most important things from their life. Like, it's your place to go to just feel rooted, anchored, and seen. And it's my favorite thing to do in the world is record that show. So that's Lessons Learned. My platform, you can just follow me on Instagram, Komal Minhas, K-O-M-A-L-M-I-N-H-A-S. And uh, the program, you'll find all the details for the next right step on my Instagram or over at komal.com, K-O-M-A-L.com. And I hope to see you in class, some of you. And Sarah, again, thank you for giving me a space to share about this and about my work. It means the world. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I didn't tell you this before, but when you applied to be on the podcast, I didn't tell you that there was literally a good handful of like long scripted applications on your behalf. What? No, seriously. I wish I could go back and like find them all because I was like, Yes, like I'm hearing about this girl a lot, but people went on and on about what an incredible interviewer you were, what an incredible woman you were. And I was like, she's doing something so special that people are looking at this application and being like, I'm gonna I'm gonna apply for her. <laughs> like I'm gonna put her name in. So you're doing incredible things in the world. Thank you so much for being on here and for sharing this space with me. And uh, I'm just really excited to see all that you do next. And I'm honestly just so excited to connect with you because I've been like <laughs> in the corner. It's going to be like, I love her, but I don't know her yet. So <laughs> This is so good. And thank you for making me cry at the end of this. This is yeah, You know, it's my, it's my talents. I make people laugh or cry. It's only one of two. There's no in between. Or both. <laughs> or both. 
Yeah, simultaneous. Well, thank you so much. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to put all the kind of details in the show notes as well so you can check her out. We will see you next week. Thanks so much for being here. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Bye.